Thanks for listening to the Seeds Church Podcast. If you're in Middle Tennessee, we'd love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out SeedsChurchTN.com for times and locations. Now, here's our lead pastor, J.D. Swilling. So over the last several weeks, we're, we're wrapping up our Seek series, and we've been talking about what it means to seek God, what it looks like to seek the person of God, to seek the presence of God. It's been, it's been so good. What, it, what the implications for our lives are when we do that. And Hebrews 11.6 says, It's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him, those who diligently seek him, those who earnestly seek him. So God wants us to seek him. He desires that. He wants us to pursue him. We, we, we visited this scripture before also, James 4.8, where it says, come close to God or draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. And I think sometimes we get in these seasons of our life where sometimes we feel like God is so far away. Where is God? But we do have this promise. When we draw close to him, he will draw close to us. And that's what he wants. He wants us to run in his direction. And when we do that, Jesus says, and the writer of Hebrews says, that there is reward for us. There is provision for us. So we've talked uh, about this, pursuing the presence of God, pursuing the person of God. Today, I want to kind of focus in on what does it look like to seek the kingdom of God? Seek the kingdom of God. In, uh, in, in Matthew's gospel, which is where we were last week, we were looking at the very middle part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6. Last week we talked about this where Jesus said, give in secret, pray in secret, fast in secret. The Father sees what's done in secret. He will reward you. Well, later on in this same message, Jesus says this, Matthew chapter 6, verse 32, he says, your Father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Your heavenly Father knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. God has everything we need. That's good news. God has everything we need. He's not withholding. He's not stingy. He's not ungenerous. He's generous. And again, Jesus connects these dots for us and says that when we seek, there is reward. There is provision. We get everything we need when we seek. And last week, like I said, we read these verses earlier where Jesus said all these things. Father sees what you've done in secret. He rewards. So here it is. Jesus is saying again, there's reward tied to seeking. But this time Jesus makes the distinction and he says, Seek the kingdom of God. First and foremost, above everything else, seek the kingdom of God. Place God's kingdom, place your pursuit of God's kingdom in front of every other pursuit in your life. You know, it's okay to have other pursuits in life when they're submitted to the lordship of Jesus, when they're submitted to the direction of the Holy Spirit for your life. It's okay to have, to have these pursuits, to have desires, to have dreams, to do things. But Jesus says, before you get to any of those things, at the very beginning, place pursuing God's kingdom above all your other pursuits. Before you seek 
this thing in your life, seek God's kingdom. You might say, J.D., why does Jesus say it that way? Why does Jesus say, seek the kingdom? Why does he make that distinction? Inquiring minds want to know, right? So when Jesus said, seek the kingdom of God and live righteously, he's talking about God's way of doing things. God's way, his way of doing things. There's a way about God. There's a way about you and me, right? There's a way about the, just who I am, the way I speak, the way I carry myself. When I do things, there's a way. Speaking of way, Kat Wayrung, when she makes those cinnamon rolls, there's a way. <laughs> Kat, I saw you earlier. I don't know if you're in here now. She might, be, she might be stepped out. When she makes those cinnamon rolls, there is a way about her <laughs> cinnamon rolls that taste delicious. There's a way. There's something that she does, something that, just the thing that she adds to it, whatever it is, it's delicious. Jeff, when you're up here playing the keys, there is a way in which you play the keys that is distinctly you. That's, that's, it's pleasing to the ear. There's a way. There's, there's a way about when I play guitar, there's like these little, little things, these little licks that you listen for. If, if you know and you can listen, and if you've spent any time around me for any period of time, and you've heard me play, especially by myself, and if you just close your eyes and you listen, it doesn't matter what song it is, you go, oh, I know who's playing that song. That's JD. Aaron's chuckling right now because he knows, he knows what I'm talking about. There's a way about what, when I do this. When you walk into your work, and you go into meetings, and the way that you lead, and the way that you make decisions, and the way that you respond to people, there's a way about you. There's a way about each and every one of us, and there's a way about God. There's a way about him. There's an essence about everything that he touches. And Jesus is saying, seek God's way of doing things. Seek him and how he works how he operates, his essence, his way, with everything that you are, your entire being, every area of your life, dive in head first. Dive in head first into God's reality, into God's provisions, into God's initiative. Seek God's way of doing things. And when we do that, Jesus says there's reward tied to that. We don't have to worry about the everyday things of life. All these things will be added unto you. And if you go back and you read that portion of the scripture and you read it in context, he's talking about the things that we worry about in our everyday lives. And Jesus says you don't have to worry about those everyday life things when you pursue God's way, when you place the pursuit of God's way in the very front of every other pursuit of your life. So how do we know what God's way is? That's the question. That's the million-dollar question, right? How do we know? What, how, how do we capture the essence of God's way? Sounds like a Calvin Klein commercial, right? The essence of God's way. It's really breathy. <laughs> it's good to have fun, right? I just make these bad jokes so Jeff will laugh. Anyway. John chapter 14, verse 9, Jesus said this. Any, if you want to know what God's way is, 
Look at me. Anyone who wants to see the Father, just see me. Anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. That's what he says. And so if we want to know what God's way is, we just need to look at Jesus' way. Jesus' essence, his way of doing things. And so I think a great place for us to look today at Jesus' way, his way of doing things, the way about him, his essence, is in this passage that we're celebrating today, Matthew 21, and the, the triumphant entry into Jerusalem. This is the traditional Palm Sunday message or passage. So, of course, you already know it's Palm Sunday. Everybody get your palm branch. All right, now I want you to hold it in the air. All right? Now I want you to wave it in the air like you just don't care. Hey, ho, hey, ho. I whip my palm back and forth. I whip my palm back and forth. I don't know. All right, you can put it down. We read. <clears throat> thank you for <clears throat> church. Thank you for putting up with me. We read this account actually in all four gospels. Every all four of the of the gospels record the the Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem. But we're going to look here in Matthew twenty one, and uh, and this is this is what it says here: as Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem. They came to, to the town of Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, and Jesus sent two of them on ahead. And he says, go into the village over there, and as soon as you enter it, you'll see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone asks what you're doing, just say, the Lord needs them, and he will immediately let you take them. And that's remarkable. Like, um, I, I've read this, this uh, whole account in each one of the Gospels, and and one of you know some of the gospels add a little bit extra to this, and it's just kind of a unique thing. Like, like Jesus really is demonstrating in this such simple thing that he is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. When you go get the donkey of this, like you go over there to the to this village, and you're going to find a donkey and a colt that don't belong to us. You just go ahead and untie them and bring them. It's like Jesus is like not advocating theft here. We need to make that clear. And, and if the owner says, what are you doing? Jesus says, oh, well, the, just tell him the Lord has need of it. And if you look in the other Gospels and you read this account, that's exactly what happens. People are going, hey, where are you going with that? That's not, that doesn't belong to you. And the disciples say, well, the Lord has need of it. Oh, okay, cool. All right. It's like the ultimate, it's like Jedi mind tricks. It's like the Lord has need of it. Teenagers, don't do that at school tomorrow with your teachers. Don't try that. But anyway, where's your homework? The Lord had needed of it. I didn't bring it with me. The Lord needed it. No. So, so they brought the donkey and the colt to him, and they threw their garments over the colt, and Jesus sat on it. And, uh, oh, wait, I'm, I'm skipping ahead here. I'm sorry. So, so they, they brought the, the donkey, and Jesus said, you know, tell them the Lord needs it immediately, and they'll let you take it. So that's what happens. And then it says, this took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, tell the people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. And so you got to think, all of Israel knew this prophecy. They knew 
what, what had been prophesied hundreds and hundreds of years before this moment. And so the two disciples did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt to him. They threw their garments over the colt, and he sat on it. And then Jesus starts riding into Jerusalem. And most of the crowd, they spread their garments on the road ahead of him. And others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Jesus was in the center of the procession. And the people around him were shouting, Praise God for the Son of David. Praise God for the Son of David. Blessing on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in the highest heavens. Can we just say that together right now? Those three phrases. Praise God for the Son of David. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in the highest heaven. And the entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered. Who is this, they asked. And the crowds replied, it's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Man, I just get goosebumps right now. Who is that? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. Let's imagine for a moment, what would it have been like to be there on this day? You're you're just kind of, you're on the outskirts of the city, you're doing your thing. And all of a sudden, you see Jesus. This prophet from Nazareth, and he's riding on a donkey's colt, fulfilling a prophecy that you've been told about since you were a child. And people start getting stirred up. People start getting excited. And they start taking off their coats, and they start taking off their outer garments and laying it on the road. And now people are cutting off these palm branches. I don't know if they look like this. I will say this is an upgrade from what we had last year. (laughs) And they start waving them before Jesus. And they're saying, blessed is he, the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Man, this is exciting stuff. This is an awesome, awesome moment. And can you imagine what it would have been like for Jesus in this moment? What a blessing this would have been. You know, when we... When we're up here and we're praising and worshiping God and you're there and we're all praising and worshiping God in this place. I mean, I just couldn't keep twirling that all day. (laughs) Do you know what a blessing that is to the Lord? What we're doing today is no different than what they did 2,000 years ago on that Palm Sunday. What a blessing that would have been for Jesus. He's riding in and the, the people are singing his praises. And I'm telling you what's a blessing for Jesus today when we sing his praises. It's fantastic. I love it. It's the best. (laughs) So Jesus makes his triumphant entry into Jerusalem. And if we keep reading into the story, the tone changes. Jesus rolls up into the temple. And what does he find? He finds the money changers, and they're ripping the people off. You got to think, this is is the week of Passover. People are there at the temple, and they're got to make animal sacrifices to atone for their sin. And so not everybody just has the lamb or the goat or the dove that they need. So they're at the temple, and they've got to buy what they need to make the sacrifice. And the money changers are there, and they've tipped the scales in their favor. They're ripping the people off. And this makes Jesus not so happy. And he's got these people, his people, they're, they're being cheated. And so in one moment, Jesus is at the very center of the highest adulation. And in the very next moment, 
new moment presents itself, and this moment is all about greed. It's about desecration. It's about defilement. It's about abuse. It's about taking advantage of people. Now, remember, we're looking at the way of Jesus. How's Jesus going to handle this moment? He's got a choice. He can ignore it. What's the way of Jesus here? He could turn a blind eye because he's like, man, this is, this is really rotten. And just a few moments ago, I was like telling people to bring donkeys to me, and they were bringing them to me, and they were just like, yeah, you can have the donkey. And I rode the donkey, and everybody's laying their coats down and waving the palm branches and singing my praises. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I just want the party to keep going. I just want the parade to keep going. I just want everybody to be happy and not think about what's going on over here. Let's not pay attention to the greed. Let's not pay attention to the abuse and the defilement, taking advantage of people. Jesus could have done that. He could have said, why should the party be over? Let's just keep rolling. But what's his way of doing things? What does Jesus do in this moment? Why is it important for us to pay attention in moments? I mean, this can happen in every single one of our lives. Every single one of our lives, we can just be going and doing and having a great time. Or just even just doing our normal everyday life and everything seems fine. And then all of a sudden, we're met in a moment with something that's ugly, with something that's awkward, with something that's uncomfortable, something that we... Wish maybe almost sometimes we hadn't seen or hadn't been exposed to. So why is it important for us to pay attention a moment? What's the big deal here? Back in Matthew 6, remember, Jesus is preaching the summer on the mount. And he said, he said, pray this way. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We could just... Just as well say, when he, when he gets to the part where he says, Thy kingdom come, he could, we could just very well say, Thy way of doing things be done. Your way, the, the essence in which you do things, God, let it be on everything. Your will be done, but not just, not just like, like a bull in a china shop, but the way you do things, God. Your way be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And if we look throughout the scriptures and if we look throughout church history, what we see is that God's way of doing things here on earth is primarily brought to this earth through God's people, through you and me, through those of us that have come before us, that have been Christ followers. That's the way God brings his way from heaven to earth, is through his people, his way of doing things. Now, it's incredibly humbling and exciting all at the same time. Wow, God wants to partner with me to bring his way of doing things to the earth? That's exciting. And then also like, wow, God, you've chosen me? Yes, God's chosen you to bring his way of doing things. So why is it important for us to pay attention to moments? Because I want God 
to use me. I want God to use my family. I want God to use this church to bring his way of doing things to Middle Tennessee and to everywhere we have influence in the earth. Moments present themselves in various ways, in different times. There's some moments when God asks for our attention and we're right in the middle of just doing the most menial thing, the most ordinary thing. He asks for our attention. We're right in the middle of just everyday tasks. Sometimes he asks for our attention when we're right in the middle of like when Jesus, this moment Jesus is having his, his triumphant entry, and these moments present themselves. And it's like God is saying, hey, pay attention. Pay attention here. I want you to see this. I'm inviting you to participate here. I'm inviting you to partner with me to bring my way from heaven to earth. We read about one of these pay attention moments in Exodus chapter 3. Moses is out tending his flock, of goats, sheep, whatever it is. He's doing his thing, everyday menial task. And all of a sudden, he looks over and he sees this bush on fire. But it's not burning up. It's just on fire. But there's, I don't, I don't know what that even looks like. Got no reference for that. Something that's on fire, but it doesn't burn up. I don't think any of us have seen anything like that. So it gets Moses' attention. It's the pay attention moment. And Moses could have been like, oh, wow, well, that's weird. Okay. And just kept tending his flock. Kept tending the goats. Kept tending the sheep. Moses had a choice. Do I pay attention? And this is what the scripture says. Moses said, he says, I must turn aside. I must see it now. This moment presents itself to Moses. I must turn aside. I must see it now. And then we know the result. God uses Moses to deliver millions of Hebrew slaves out of 400 plus years of slavery in, in Egypt. That's what can happen in a moment. That's what can happen when you pay attention to what God's inviting you towards. That's what can happen in the moment where God, when Jesus is saying, seek first God's way of doing things. God's way of doing things. Moses had a choice. Now back to Jesus. Jesus makes his triumphant entry. He's now faced with this choice. Here's this moment staring Jesus in the face. What's he going to do? How's he going to respond? Is he going to pretend like he didn't see it and go on? No. Because that's not God's way. God, when he sees injustice, when he sees things, when he sees people being taken advantage of, he doesn't turn his head. When he sees how you have been hurt and the brokenness that you're wrestling with, the disappointment that you're wrestling with, God doesn't turn away and pretend that it's not there. He goes, oh, that's ugly, that's awkward, that's uncomfortable, I'm, I'm not going to look. No, God sees you. And we have a choice to respond in the same way. And this is what Jesus does. Verse 12, Jesus enters the temple and he began to drive out the people buying and selling animals. For sacrifice. And he knocks over the tables of the money changers 
and the chairs of those selling doves. And he said, the scriptures declare, my temple will be called a house of prayer, but you've turned it into a den of thieves. Now, Jesus was not so worried, I don't believe, about the brick and mortar. I don't think he was worried so much about the actual, like, the building of the temple itself. What he's talking about are the people. You've, my, my temple will be called a house of prayer. My people will be called a house of prayer. But you've turned this place, you've desecrated this place, you've defiled this place. And then it says, the blind, the blind and the lame came to him in the temple. He drives out the defilement. He drives out the desecration. He drives out the abuse. And then look at the reward. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. The leading priests and the teachers of religious law saw these wonderful miracles and heard even the children in the temple shouting, Praise God for the Son of David. Jesus decided to face the ugliness. He decided to face the uncomfortable. He decided to face the awkward situation. He decided to get his hands dirty instead of ignoring it all. Why? Because God's way of doing things, there's no greed. There's no abuse. There's no taking advantage of people. Jesus decided to right the wrongs because in God's kingdom, in God's way of doing things, that's how it is. He stopped what he was doing to handle what only could be done in that moment. I think sometimes we're like, well, mm, I don't really have time for this right now. I'll, I'll come back to this. I'll come back to this if, at the end of the day, if I have time and I'm not too tired. That's not how Jesus handled it. He did it right there in that moment. And I tell you what, I prayed the very same thing be said about us. God, use us, your people, to continue to bring your way, to continue to establish your kingdom here on earth. God, Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would stir up desire on the inside of us to seek your kingdom first, to seek your way of doing things first, to Put the pursuit of your kingdom, of who you are, your character and your nature, your way, your essence, to put that pursuit in front of every other pursuit in our lives. Let it be said of us. Holy Spirit, work in us. Work through us to bring the kingdom, God's way of doing things here to earth. Would you just close your eyes right now as we just spend this moment in prayer? Spend this moment in pressing in, intentionally pointing our face toward God's, seeking his kingdom, seeking his essence, his way of doing things. For some of us in this moment, we need, we need to say, I turn aside, I must see it, just like Moses. Just like Moses said. I just know, you guys, I just know that throughout my everyday life, there are moments that I'm presented with that sometimes I miss it, sometimes I blow it. And you know what? God is incredibly patient. He's incredibly kind. And where sometimes I think in a moment where I miss it, maybe he 
bring someone else down the path who's not going to miss it. Praise God for that. And I don't, I don't revel in the condemnation of when I miss the moment. I just say, God, I don't want to do that again. Help me, Holy Spirit. Continue to arrest my heart when you're asking me to pay attention. And I think sometimes we, we just blow off these, these moments as if they're not a big deal. But we just need to start paying attention. We need to just ask Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, oh, heighten my awareness of when you're inviting me into a moment. Holy Spirit, I want to seek your way of doing things, the Father's way of doing things above any other thing I'm seeking, above anything else I'm pursuing. So I ask you right now, Holy Spirit, give me wisdom. And right there where you sit, you just pray in your own words, just a a prayer of desire. Holy Spirit, give me wisdom. Heighten my awareness. I want to be aware of your presence. I want to be aware of your invitations. Give me boldness. Give me courage to step out and bring your way of doing things and establishing your way of doing things here on earth as it is in heaven. I need the courage, God. I need the faith. I need the boldness. So I ask for it right now. You know, um, you can look up for a second. We're going to keep praying here, but you can look up for a second. If, if, if I told you, you know, um, I got a great reward for you, but there's something you've got to do here. Uh, you need to carry this table around with you wherever you go, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, for the next year. Um, I'll give you $10,000 if you can do that. Some of you are like, oh, cool, 10000 bucks. Some of you are like, $10,000, I need more than that. <laughs> okay, $100,000. And I think some of us, we'd, we'd, we'd do it. We'd try it. Take it in the shower with you. There's a table. Go to, go to the dinner table, pull that up, and you're sitting at the dinner table. I'm like, what's with the table? It's, it's a thing. And I think we'd probably get tired of that pretty quickly. Getting in the car, strapping your table in beside you, and get, putting the seatbelt on it. Everywhere you go. How cumbersome would that be? But what if I just, like, gave you this card and said, carry this around with you? Carry this around with you for the next year, and I have a reward for you. It would be a lot easier, wouldn't it? I think sometimes we carry around the burden of outcome. Well, it didn't, like, I did what I was supposed to do, but it didn't turn out the way I thought it should. And we carry around the burden of outcome, and we really just need to carry around the burden of obedience. I just obeyed. I just leaned into the moment like I thought I was supposed to. I was at this prayer meeting on Thursday night, 
that this uh, believers I had never met before in my entire life. I was uh, over at this uh, bed and breakfast, staying the night on uh, Thursday night, just getting some alone time. And uh, the guy running the thing says, hey, man, our church is getting together tonight for just prayer and worship. You want to come? I said, well, sure. Yeah, I mean, wherever the people of God are, I want to be there. So I go to this prayer meeting, and we're praying, and probably halfway, it's like a three-hour prayer meeting, so it was a real good one. And about halfway through, I, pro- I felt to myself, I think somebody here has something wrong with their eyes. Something with their eye, eyes. Or maybe it's somebody that they know, but I just held on to it. I didn't say anything. And then there seemed, it just wouldn't go away. You know, it's like you get that, that kind of thing like in your spirit, and you're like, well, is that me or is that God? So I just sat on it and prayed on it for a minute. We kept going on. And then Holy Spirit brings it up to me again. It's like, man, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, see, I'm carrying the table. What if, what if I say something and then no one's like, well, no. No one's got an eye issue. So I'm carrying around the burden of outcome. And so I just decided, I just decided to step over into carrying the burden of obedience. And I just spoke up and I said, hey, does anybody have uh, any issues with your, with your eye? Or you know somebody that's got issues with their eye? And this guy crossed the room from me shot his hand straight up. It wasn't like he had to think about it. Immediately, he shot his hand straight up. And he says, my wife, who's pregnant right now, is having issues with her her vision. I said, well, do you mind if we can't go to where she is right now? Do you mind if I just lay my hands on you and we pray for her and just use you as a point of contact for our faith? He says, absolutely, that's fine. So we got up and there's several of us that gathered around this guy and we prayed for him and we just prayed into that his wife's eyesight would be restored the Holy Spirit would download wisdom to her if there were things that she needed to do naturally, whether, whether, whether it be medicines or diets or research or whatever it is, or God, just God, do it supernaturally, however you want. We pray that the realities of heaven, your way of doing things, because in heaven, there's nobody walking around with bad eyesight. In heaven, there's no vision problems. In heaven, there's no glasses. In heaven, there's no cataracts. There's nothing like that. We just pray the realities of heaven be made manifest here on earth. So we prayed for a few minutes, and we said, all right, well, amen. Let it be done. Let it be so. So we, like I said, it was a long prayer meeting. (laughs) That guy left a little bit before we were done, and he goes home, and he checks on his wife. And then uh, someone at the prayer meeting gets a text from him, and they said, hey, I just want to let you know, Ron got home. And his wife, Misty, has no problem with her vision whatsoever. Praise God. Praise God. But what if I had been carrying around the burden of outcome? And I'm like, well, what if nobody says? And then I just look stupid, and I don't look spiritual, and I don't look... Man, here's this pastor from Murfreesboro, and he's not very in tune with the Holy Spirit. I don't, you don't have to worry about that. You don't have to worry about what you look like if you miss it. Just walk in obedience. It's so much easier to carry around obedience. Oh, it's just so much easier. And when you are met with a moment, it's so much easier to just step into this. So, man, I'm just going to be obedient. And then the Lord can be responsible for the outcome. Right? 
some of us, I think, we have um, made a habit out of ignoring the moments. The Holy Spirit has been inviting us towards. And so we just need to repent. Repent does not mean like, oh, God, you know, like put on a big show. It just means to like change your mind, to turn in the other direction. So like here you are, you're walking this direction, you're doing your own thing. Holy Spirit meets you with a moment, and instead of stopping and pausing and turning aside and saying, I must go see this now, you just keep doing your own way. Well, to repent means, okay, I'm going to stop doing that, and I'm going to start saying, I must turn aside, I must go see this now. That's repentance. That's what it looks like. It's just a, an attitude and a posture of your heart, and then you have the, the burden of obedience to just follow through with it. Oh, that's easy. I can carry this wherever I go. So let's pray again. Holy Spirit, mm, you're so good. You're so gracious. You're so full of kindness. And for those of us, God, that when we miss it, um, we thank you that you just keep giving us good opportunities to get it, to walk in obedience. And so, Lord, I pray for those of us that are here today and we need to just say, all right, I need to repent. I need to turn aside. I need to say, I've got to do this. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are giving us that boldness. You're giving us that courage. You're equipping us with wisdom. And even, even sometimes, God, if we, we don't know for certain, if we just, I don't know if this is you or God. Holy Spirit, help us take a step of faith. Help us take a step of faith. Help us to, take, to step out of the boat. Help us just bring our fishes and loaves to you. Oh, God, well, it's thousands of people. What in the world can God do with, with my, my fish and my loaves of bread? Oh, I'll just leave that up to Jesus. I'm just going to be obedient. I'm just going to bring it. We'll let Jesus do the miracle. Hmm. Lord, I just pray that would be the position of every one of our hearts today, God. We're just going to bring you what we have. We're just going to carry the burden of obedience and not the burden of outcome. We want to respond to you in the moments when you're inviting us. God, when we see things that are awkward and uncomfortable, when we see defilement and desecration and abuse, help us not ignore that but lean into it. Holy Spirit, I thank you. You're empowering your people. You're empowering your people. You're empowering your people. I heard this this week. It was really cool. Um, someone said, if it's God's will, it's God's bill. <laughs> I like good alliteration, so it caught my attention. If it's God's will, it's God's bill. If God called you to do it, He'll give you the equipment. Stop worrying about, well, what if nothing happens? Stop worrying about it. Just be obedient. Just be obedient. Just be obedient. And if you're carrying around the weight of guilt and condemnation, stop it. That's not from the Holy Spirit. He's saying, he's just giving you more chances. He's going to give you more chances. This week. This week. Those of us that have been ignoring, God's going to give you chances 
to turn aside, to say, I must go see this now, to come and step into a moment. It might be messy, and it might not turn out the way you think it should, but you don't have to worry about that. You just have to worry about just seeking first God's way of doing things. And you can take great joy in that. You can take great joy in that. Stand up with me, if you will. So what happens when you get off your notes, you just start talking, and before you know it, 10 minutes are gone. That's all right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray over you. Um, I'm going to pray over you today from Romans chapter 12. And as we do this, we're at the end of the service, like we have at the end of every single service, our prayer team is going to be here over here on this wall. If you have anything in your life, anything in your life, you're like, man, I need somebody to pray with me about this. I need to pray somebody to pray over me with this. Come over here, visit with someone on our prayer team. If you're here today and you feel like, man, I'm not following the Lord, I'm not following Jesus, I feel like I'm far from God, this is your moment now. Take a step across the threshold onto the path of following Jesus. Come down here, pray with one of our friends. They're going to help you, they're going to pray with you, they're going to help you take your next step, help you figure out, hey, you need to be plugged in here, you need to belong here. Don't just come in and come out, get plugged into the community. That's part of stepping into the moment. All right, Romans, Romans 12, this prayer comes from there. Heavenly Father, in your grace, God, you've given us different gifts for doing certain things well. And so we ask you for your help to boldly use those gifts, God. Help us to not just pretend to love others. God, help us to hate what is wrong and to hold tightly to what is good. Help us to please Help, help us, God, to please help us to honor and love each other genuinely. Genuinely. We need your help. We ask for your ability to bless those who persecute us. We ask that we could be happy with those who are happy, that we could weep with those who weep. Help us to live in harmony with each other and act, God, not like we're know-it-alls, but with humility. God, we need your help from the attitude of repaying evil for evil. Mm. Help us live in a way that everyone that we see, God, that we can treat with them with honor, the way you treat us with honor. Help us live in peace with everyone. And God, we declare that may evil never conquer us, but may we conquer evil by doing good through the power of your spirit. Father, help us to turn aside when you're inviting us to partner with you in a moment to bring your kingdom, to bring your way of doing things from heaven to earth. And it's in the matchless name of Jesus we pray. Amen? Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks for listening. Stay connected with us at SeedsChurchTN.com and on social media. Our mission at Seeds Church is to help people discover who God created them to be and equip them to do what He called them to do. One of the easiest ways you can help us accomplish our mission is by simply sharing this podcast. You can do so by subscribing, leaving a review on iTunes, or sharing it with your friends on Facebook. Thanks again for listening. We hope to see you soon.